This is the first time that I will be... All of my stories today will be concerning schools. And um, they're really they're really interesting stories. And I kind of first heard them over... I heard them at the end of last week. But they just intrigued me so much. I just, I knew I had to talk about them for today's episode. So let me just get it. Let me just get right into it. Um, It's, yeah, let's just get right into it. Okay. Parents of eight-year-old barred from school photos because of extreme hairstyle. According to the parents, race has everything to do with it. I'm sure it does. Okay, um, here we go. An eight-year-old girl in Michigan was barred from taking a photo on school picture day because her hairstyle was deemed extreme. I'm going to stop right there. Um, so I'm, I'm look. here's the thing. I'm looking at this hair, which is supposedly the hair that's considered that was considered to be the, the extreme hairstyle. This isn't that bad. I'm here in California with a bunch of liberals, and you know, you know, aside from liberals, or ex- I shouldn't say liberals, but I I should just say just just some extreme people who really just want to stand out and go against the grain, and they just really have some crazy hairstyles. And I'm going to say this, compared to this picture, uh, for for my Instagram post, you guys will be able to see what her hair looks like. Um, it's really not that bad. And, you know, then again, you know, an extreme hairstyle, it's, that is very, it's a very broad term. It's very broad. I mean, how do you, how, I mean, how do you say that? I mean, it's like this. You know, there, I want to say it's, I want to say, I want to say North Korea has only, I think they have either 16 or like 26, um, approved hairstyles for men and women. If we went over there, all of our hair would be considered extreme and and unacceptable and we'd have to change our hair. So let me just, let me just keep going. And here come the parents where it becomes a racial thing. Now her parents are speaking out about the incident saying race has everything to do with this. I'm sure it does. The third grader at Paragon Charter Academy in Jackson, Michigan had her hair specially done in braids wrapped in a bun by her mom, Latoya Howard, for the big day. But after leaving the house feeling camera ready with her black and red extensions, Marion Scott came home feeling defeated. Marion had called from a friend of mine's phone who saw Marion walking down the hallway going to the office, Howard tells Yahoo Lifestyle. She cried and I told her that she did not do anything wrong. According to Howard, Marion was told by her principal that she wasn't allowed to get her photo taken, but Howard says that they should have communicated that with her and her fiancé, Doug Scott's. Doug Scott first. Instead, Marion was sent back to her classroom and told that she could get her pictures done in November. Howard wrote on Facebook that she'd be taking her money to purchase photos elsewhere. Um, okay. So, this is, this is, um, this is from Latoya Scott. This is a, this is a social media post. So, Marion got called down to the office because of her hair and said that she can't take pictures because of the color. Paragon Charter Academy said that she can take them in November. Yeah, no thank you. We will take our money and purchase pictures with my brother or anyone else for that matter. I'm so livid, y'all have no idea. But I see other kids with colored hair, but since she's, in all caps, black, it's a problem. Oh yeah, race has everything to do with this. This is one of their rules... Uh, she used the wrong there, but that, that's, that's minor. And it should, it should have said, um, she, she did should of, it should be should have, not should of. Um, 
Yeah, she has some grammar mistakes. And it should have said for blacks only. And then she has two emojis that are... It's the it's the one where the the yellow guy's like looking up with the frown. And I, I'm not really sure what to call it. This is her last year at this school. Promise you that. it. I just did it. And it's not coming down until it's ready to come down. I wish they would touch her hair or even make her take it down for that matter. Signed, one angry black woman. Ah, yes, 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 that's grand. I see, uh, here it is. A spokesman from National Heritage Academics, which operates Paragon Charter Academy, sent the following statement to Yahoo Lifestyle from the Parent and Student Handbook. Hair color must be of natural tones. Headbands must be solid white, navy, hunter green, or black. And I don't know what hunter green is. Um, but I'm going to assume that these colors are their school colors. Students must be in school uniform for fall pictures and any retakes. Students not in school uniform will not be allowed to have their pictures taken. We take great care to ensure our families are well informed about this policy and also work closely with students and their parents if there's a concern. The statement reads, We understand the importance of good communication in helping strengthen the partnership we have with our families, and we will continue to make this a priority to create a school environment where everyone is valued and their, everyone is valued and their voice and has their voice heard. While the school's handbook reads that hairstyles must be conservative, man, that's a broad term. Doris, uh, a.k.a. Doris Wendy Green, uh, a lawyer professor at Drexel University and expert on grooming codes discrimination, maintains that based on Howard's observations, Marion may have been treated unfavorably because of her race. This incident highlights the heightened level of scrutiny, regulation, and stigmatization that black children and black girls in particular Endure at school when they do not don straightened hairstyles in black or brown. Green writes to Yahoo Lifestyle via email. Whether a black child is barred from wearing a natural hairstyle or hair color, it is often a reflection of racial as well as color-based stereotypes and biases. And biases the, de- the decision makers implicitly or explicit decision makers implicitly or explicitly hold concerning what is natural or normal and therefore acceptable for black children. Here's the thing. Now, what she is saying, there is a point. There are different types of hairstyles with different types of ethnicities. There are certain things um, I can do to my hair that other people can't do to their hair. There are certain things that people can do to their hair that I can't do to mine. Um, you know, when people say, here, here, see, here's a problem with school codes. Um, suppose, okay, so according to the school's handbook says that hairstyles must be conservative. I would ask what that means. I don't, I don't, if you, if you, if you went up to 10 people, let's just say a hundred people. And you surveyed them. And you said, what is a conservative hairstyle? What would they say? I think, here's the thing. I think most people would say, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It depends on where you ask them. It depends on where these people are. You come here to California, you're going to get probably a hundred different answers. We, I, I see some hairstyles where I'm just like, oh my God, what happened? And then there are other places where it's like, okay, you know, they, they're they just, they're just not as liberal as they are here in California. And so you'll get different answers. But I'm just, let's just, let's just say, let's just say a hundred people. You, you can, you can think of a hundred people that you know, and you asked them, what is a conservative hairstyle? What are they going to say? Um, you know, there, there is, I have come across people and I think, I think this goes for, here's a, here's the thing. It goes, it goes to me for all races and all ethnicities because you have a situation where 
I, as a black guy, I look at a white person and I don't know what life is like for them. I don't know things that they, I don't know everything that they have to do for, you know, personal care. I don't know, I don't know what they have to do for grooming. Um, I don't, I don't know all the details. And they won't really know all the details for me. And, you know, they may, I mean, they may have black friends and I, I myself have white friends, but I don't understand it because I don't live it myself. So when she says, when she says, what, what did she say? Uh, whether a black child is barred from wearing a natural hairstyle or hair color, it is often a reflection of racial as well as color-based stereotypes and biases and biases the decision makers implicitly or explicitly hold concerning what is nat what is quote natural or quote normal and therefore quote acceptable for black children she does have she does have a point there but i but here's the thing i don't you guys know that i'm not a fan of just pointing to racism Now, according to the mom, according to the mom, she said, she said, I'm so livid, y'all have no idea, but I see other kids with colored hair, but since she's black, it's a problem. Um, the only way to prove that, there's, there's just a lot of problems here. There's just a lot of problems here because you have you have you have just vague terms. And so I that's really all I have to say about the story. I'm I don't want to point to racism. I just that it's not healthy for society and it's not good for people because there are people who will just point to things that are, you know, that's like out of their control and they'll say, oh, it's because it, it's because of this that you that you don't like me. It's because of this that I didn't get the job. Um, There is a girl I know who she said that she went to a, she went to a Target interview and she was, you know, she admitted that she was two minutes late. And she says that she didn't get the job because um, of racism. And, you know, just admitting, you know, when she said that she was two minutes late, I was like, oh, so she didn't get the job. So I, I didn't think the story was going to go that much further. But, you know, she is, what is she? I think she's some, some, something from the Middle East. I don't know. But she said that, but her immediate reason was, oh, they're racist. That's why I didn't get the job. Here's the thing. If you are late, if you're late, if you're late to a job interview, you don't, you don't, you don't get the job. That's like, that's pretty much an automatic disqualifier. You might as well not even go to the interview if you're going to, if you're, if you're late, because when you're late, that's, and they, and here's the thing. They don't care about the reason. Late, late is late. So, you know, it's just, it's just really not a good thing. For it's just not a good thing for society. It's not a good thing for individuals. Just to immediately point to race. It's something that I'm very, very reluctant to do. It's it's one of it's one of the last things I have on my list. Cause my mentality is that most people don't care about race at the end of the day. When it comes to when it comes to you know interacting with people. Most people at the end of the day they really don't care that much. And so I look, whenever I see something and something doesn't go my way with another person, I think, okay, did I do everything I could have done correctly? That's what I ask first. And I, I would just encourage, I would just encourage you, um, whoever you are or whatever you do or whatever your ethnicity is or just whatever your background, always ask yourself that first. Have I, Everything that was in my control, did I do that to the best of my ability and made sure that everything that I uh, dotted all my I's, crossed all my T's and made sure that I was on my on my P's and Q's? 
Have I done everything that I can do? And then if you haven't, then, you know, throw out the other, throw out all the other reasons. But don't just immediately point the finger. Don't do that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really not a fan of it. I gotta say this, as someone, as someone who is a, who is a minority, I can't stand it when we do that. I can't stand it when, when we do that. I remember, I remember my parents, they always told, they always told my siblings and I, you have to work twice as hard because, because you're black. You always have to work twice as hard as the white, as the white kid because you're black. And that just never made sense to me as a kid. People, we, we just, I, it's just, I don't know. I, I would just, I would just encourage you to not do it. Just don't do it. It's really not helpful. And also it strengthens you. It makes you, it makes you realize when you change your perspective, it makes you realize there is more in your control than you think. So, you know, that's all I have to say about this story. Um, you know, this is kind of a, this is kind of a he said, she said kind of thing. Where the mom says, oh, okay, you know, there are kid, there are other kids who go to that, who go to that school and they have their hair colored. Um, we don't know if that's true. Um, I mean, it's easily provable. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, we'll just, I don't know. That's, that's that story. And so I'm, I'm done with that. Okay. This next story is, you know what? No, I'm going to save, I'm going to save this story. I'm going to save it. I'm going to do that for my third story. Second story is from NBCnews.com. And by the way, that last story, you could find it on Yahoo Lifestyle. It was from a ways, it was from a time back. Um, but here we go. Kansas. 13-year-old girl who pointed finger gun at classmates charged with a felony. Yes, you heard that correctly. A, and if you don't if you don't know what a finger gun is, it's very simple. It's it's literally if you were going to do if you were going to show a gun with your fingers, like if you were going to imitate a gun with your with your hand. That's that's a finger gun. It can't actually as as you as you might envision and understand, it can't actually shoot bullets. Or actually cause harm unless, you know, I guess you poke someone in the eye or something like that. I don't know. The student in Overland Park, Kansas, was allegedly asked by a classmate if she could kill five people in class, who would they be? All right. A Kansas middle school girl who formed her fingers into a gun and pointed it at several of her classmates after another student asked her who she would kill was arrested and charged with a felony. The incident happened on September 18th at Westridge Middle School in Overland Park, about 13 miles south of Kansas City. After administrators were alerted to a potential threat made by a 13-year-old student, police said in a news release. According to the Kansas City Star, the girl was having a discussion with a classmate who asked if she could kill five people in the room. Who would they be? The girl responded by allegedly making a finger gun and pointing it at four students and then pointing it at herself, the outlet reported. An Overland Park police spokesperson told NBC News in a statement Friday that an individual who felt threatened used the school's online anti-bullying app to alert administrators who conducted an investigation and then the school told the school resource officer. (coughs) Okay, I'm just going to stop right there for a little bit. So, this girl is in a conversation with someone, and this uh, this other girl says, "Okay, so you know, you know, let's just say you, you know, who? Pretty much, here was the question. Pretty much, okay. So the question was, if you could kill five people, who would they be? Which is another way of asking, who are your least favorite? Who are the?" Who are your five least favorite people in this class? All right. Now, 
here's what we need to understand. These are things, this, these are things that kids do. And they've done them for a long time. Uh, so an individual, so an individual who felt threatened used the school's online anti-bullying app to alert administrators. You know, let me let me say this. Let me say this. We now live in a society that is that is defined greatly by social media, and it's. Scary because you have you have you have people who believe that you know school shootings are getting worse and things like that. And so now we're living in a time where with social media everything is blown up and it's 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 um it's seen as being bigger than it really is. So we so whenever there's a school shooting, people think people for some reason people think that school shootings are new. And they're not. You can go back. You can go back to the eight to the eighteen hundreds and even the seventeen hundreds in America, where there were school shootings. It's 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 very you know it, you you can find it when people you know talk of, and that's what I think happened here. People now live. People now kids are now living in fear and they're living in, with the mentality of, oh okay you know. You know, you know, you can't really make gun jokes anymore or do anything like that because it's like, oh, so, so, so you want to shoot up the school or something? And that's not it. There's an article, um, from Northeastern. Um, this came out, this came out last year in Feb- on February 26th. Here we go. Schools are safer than they were in the 90s, and school shootings are not more common than they used to be, researchers say. Since 1996, there have been 16 multiple, and this is, remember, this is 2018, so these stats go up to that time. February 26, 2018. Since 1996, there have been 16 multiple victim shootings in schools or incidents involving four or more victims and at least two deaths by firearms by firearms excluding the assailant of these eight are mass shootings or incidents involving four or more deaths excluding the assailant all right this is not an epidemic mass shootings mass school shootings are incredibly rare events in research publishing this later this year fox and doctoral student emma Friedel found that on average mass murders occur between 20 and 30 times per year and about one of those incidents on average takes place at a school. So that that's what we're saying. They're incredibly rare. If you go into the statistics and you go deeper, and I'm not really going to go into that because that's a whole episode in itself. But that's what we live in. And so this student was probably ter- this pro- this student was probably sensitive and got scared and said, "Oh my god, I think this person might w- this person might want to shoot at the school because they made a gun sign and she was pointing it at various people and I you know I don't I don't know what she's doing so this led to this girl getting arrested and charged with a felony the resource officer this this is back in the article the resource officer who was employed by the city's police department interviewed both students involved who affirmed the actions which can constituted um, the potential threat, police said. The girl whose identity is not being released because she is a juvenile was then arrested by the resource officer. Too often there are reports of violence in schools and and inevitably questions about what could or should have been done to prevent the tragedy. Threats in schools are taken very seriously and treated appropriately. A spokesperson for the jo- for the Johnson County District Attorney's Office said that after reviewing the evidence, the girl was charged with a criminal threat, which is a felony offense. She is due to appear in court next week. John Cavanaugh, the girl's grandfather, told the Kansas City Star that he thinks the incident got completely out of hand and should have been handled in the principal's office and not with a teenager being charged with a felony. 
See, that's see, that's part of that's what I'm saying. You you have the overreaction and the overanalyzation on social media and the news and things like that. And so now so now schools think, okay, so how do we handle this situation? If we have if we have one student who feels scared, you obviously you're obviously always gonna have that one sensitive student and that one you're always you're always gonna have that one hypersensitive student. Something's gonna happen. They tell their parents, their parents get mad at us, those parents spread it out, and it just becomes bigger than it should be. So what do we do? Do we do we how do we handle this? It's like, okay, so just just go right for the jugular. Just just we're gonna we're gonna kill this right here. So we're gonna overreact because it's in our best interest. Because in their minds they're thinking, if a school shooting happens, people could point to this incident and say, Why didn't you guys do anything about this? And that is huge. Because because just that just that small chance, just that small chance is enough to make people react differently. So they think, okay, you know what? We'll just not... They could have taken it to the principal. And they said, mm, let's go to the police. Let's, let's... Here's what they probably did. They probably... Here's what I think happened. It went up the chain of command. It went up the chain of command. So you had, so you had the the app. So uh, someone probably saw the app. Probably, you know, one of the school administrators talked to the principal about it. Principal brought in the um, school resource officer and the vice and the vice principal and just a few other people that you know are high up. And they said, "Okay, what do we do here?" And, you know, they said, okay, you know what, how, how should we act? Should I just, should we just call her in and tell her not to do that? Should we punish her like that? Or, I mean, what should we do? And they said, you know what, we can't in this time, in this society that we live in, we have, we have to overreact. We have to come to a point where we say, you know what, it's just better that we overreact on you than in the in the eyes of other than the eyes of other parents and other families and other students, they say we underreacted, and if something happens, then you know people you know we're all out of a job. John Cavanaugh, the girl's grandfather, told the Kansas City Star that he thinks the incident got totally got completely out of hand and should have been handled in the principal's office, and not with the teenager being charged with a felony. Kavanaugh said the 13-year-old does not have access to a gun. She was just mouthing off. He said, I'm really worried about my granddaughter's future. And he should be. A spokesperson for the Shawnee Mission School District told NBC News that he could not discuss the incident, but that the district was not involved in the girls being the girl being arrested. Uh, we didn't have any control over that action, David Smith said, declined to say if the school disciplined the student who began the discussion by asking the girl who she would kill. So there it is. That that that's exactly what I was saying. That's probably what they did. They just called him in and they said, you know what? Um SR Mr. School Resource Officer, whatever his name is, we're gonna put this this is now in your jurisdiction. Do what you think is best. That's what I think happened. Because here's the thing. I think they all thought, you know what? This isn't really a threat. This really isn't. This is something that this is something that kids do. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes sometimes people are, you know, guys are messing around and they get into a little bit of a scuffle and stuff like that. And one of the guys says, Man, I'll kill you. He's not going to kill him. It's just saying, you know, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. You have to put it in, in context. So this girl was talking to her friend 
And because this isn't, this isn't, I mean, this is something that you do. This, that's a question that you would ask, that you would ask your friend. This isn't something that you would just ask someone next to you because you're bored in class. Just be like, Hey, yeah. So who would, you know, if you could, who, who, if you could kill five people in this class, who would they be? That's something you do. That's something that friends do with each other. Um, and so anyway, that's what I think happened. And that's just, that's just, that's just the way, the way it is now. People now overreact and, you know, just, just understand this whole fear of school shootings. Now I haven't, now I, I will concede. I have talked about myself and what, and you know, how I, how I go to school and like, I just kind of look at the door and just, you know, who's coming in, who's going out, stuff like that. Who's, is there a bag left behind somewhere? That's something I do, but I'm never, I'm not afraid of being killed at school. It's just not, it's not something that I think about. There are so many other things that could possibly happen. I could get hit by a car. I could get, you know, hit by, um, you know, someone, you know, I get, you know, trampled by, you know, joggers on campus. Um, there, there are just, there are so many other ways I would die at school than a school shooting. Just remember, school shootings are rare. They're extremely rare. So don't, you know, don't be afraid concerning this. Four times the number of children were killed in schools in the early 90s than today. That's incredible. I mean, that's just, that's just unbelievable. And one thing that the left does, one thing that the left does is they, they always use the term gun violence. Gun violence is a very, it's a term that it, it, it means exactly what it sounds like. Violence with, violence with gun involved. Violence with guns involved. And it's like, okay, so they, so, cause what that does, that, that grossly inflates the number. Most gun deaths are suicides i want to say i want to say it's i want to say it's 51 percent. i don't have the exact number in front of me but i know it's very very uh it's like half so you can cut down you can cut down gun violence just just most just most gun deaths are through suicide so that's and i think what's just absolutely garbage is how they talk about, you know, okay, especially Beto, he's like, you know, we're going to take your guns. And it's, and it's like, it's like, do these people even think? I mean, just, just look at it this way. This is very simple. There are, there are, a, there are hundreds of millions of guns in the United States. Relative to that, I mean, we are, we are so high, we're so high in the number of guns in this nation relative to the other countries. And we take, we take this information and, with, and it's like, okay, so if we have all these guns, how come there aren't more people being killed? There would be way more people being killed if guns were the problem. You have, you have a very, 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 very small portion of the population who does who does who does terrible things with guns and then you know you have the left coming in saying okay you know what no, no guns for you guys so you're going to punish most people for things that they haven't done recently in California just uh, this past weekend um they you know governor Gavin Newsom who let me just say Gavin Newsom is one handsome devil I don't like the guy, but he is a very good-looking dude. I can see why he was the mayor of San Francisco. Um, but he just signed he just signed a law, he just signed a bill where now you know, pretty much if you if if you feel that someone is a threat to you, if you feel someone is a threat to you and they have a gun, 
you can report them and you can pretty much, you know, have them, you know, checked and looked down and their gun could possibly be taken away, which is a terrible, horrible law because you're punishing people who haven't broken the law. It's just, oh, this person is uncomfortable that I have a gun. They they think I pose a threat. And the, the question is, what is a threat? What does that mean? Because remember, as I like to say, offense is taken, not given. Emotions come from emotions come from inside. Emotions come from inside. So you, you know, you feel threatened. So just because just because you have a certain feeling inside of you, I have I have to lose my guns. And I'm, you know, being checked out and, you know, I, I, my second, my second amendment right is being, um, affected. That's outrageous. That's absolutely outrageous. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but these gun laws in California, man, they're just, I'm telling you, I, here's the thing. I'm really torn. I like Sacramento. I, I do. People are very kind up here. People are very nice. I, I, I spent most of my life in Southern California. People aren't as nice down there. Now, the women are better looking than they are up here. But, you know, you know, it, 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 it just, I, I just, I don't know. It, I mean, it's expensive to live out here. You have all these f- negative factors. I just, I could very easily see myself graduating and moving out of California. Seriously, I I think I'm gonna I think I'm just gonna be one of those conservatives who's just like, all right, pack it up. I'm going to Arizona or New Mexico or Texas. It's just the laws here, man. I just I'm 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 gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. As someone who is single, I can live with it. I can I can live with I can live with California. So it's doable for me. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to I'm going to have a family one day and I can't wait for that day to come. Oh my, it just it, it excites me so much. But I in if I played out a 100 scenarios in my head with where my my future family and I are doing our thing, I can't see it happening in California. I can't see me I can't see myself and my wife raising our a family in California. I don't see it. I just I, I I don't see it happening. No, I believe that I would have property out here and you know we would vacation out here. But I I just I can't see I can't I just can't see it happening. California California in California we are losing it out here. We're losing it out here and it's just it's just getting to the point where it's like, man, I mean, even small businesses, they leave here and they they go to like the middle of they go to the heartland of the United States, Idaho, uh, you know, just just out there. It's like California is just. It's really not desirable out here. We have let me let me let me give California some praise. Great weather. Great weather. I I just we have we have the best weather in the, in the world, and I haven't I haven't really traveled that much, but just understanding geography and all of that, knowing biomes and uh, different things like that, we have the best weather in the world, specifically Southern California. Um, great looking women. The women here are good looking. Um. Now, there is, there is, there are issues where it's like, okay, you know, fake boobs, fake butt, you know, you know, lip injections, all of that. So you do have, you do have that. But overall, we have great looking women. All right. Um, you know, there are things you, you can pretty much do whatever you want in California. 
in terms of like vacationing. You want to go snowboarding? You can do that. You want to go to the beach? You can do that. You want to go rock climbing? You can do that. You want to go hiking? You can do that. There are so many different things you can do. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. Um, so those are the great things about California. Um, but I, I just, I gotta be real when it comes time for my family. I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it happening here. I really don't see it happening here. All right. That's this story. I really went on a couple of tangents there. Um, anyway, this next story is, it's really hilarious. It's really hilarious, and I'm I'm just I'm let me let me just read the article. Pennsylvania teacher placed on leave for racist rant to parent after fender bender. The Drexel Hill Middle School teacher yelled a slew of expletives and racist remarks at the man in the school's parking lot on Thursday morning. This is also from NBC News. A Pennsylvania middle school teacher has been placed on administrative leave for spewing racist remarks at a parent after the two got into a fender bender on Thursday morning. In a video posted on Facebook on Thursday, the Drexel, middle, the Drexel Hill Middle School teacher can be seen going into a racist rant against parent Rashid Noel after the two got into a minor car accident during the school's student drop-off period. The school district has not officially released the teacher's name. I always kind of find that funny because it's so easy to find out their name. It wouldn't be hard at all. Uh, here we go. You're probably on welfare, she, she can be heard saying while she tries to buff her truck's bumper. It's because I'm young and I'm black, and that's the reason why you would say that, Noelle says. Here, I, I'm going to say this. I love what I love how she responds. I love how she responds. She says, that's right. It's because you're black. She was honest. I love this. I love, I, I love her honesty. She didn't try to, she didn't, you know, she didn't, you know, backtrack or anything like that. She, she just went with it. She, she was, she was straight up honest and that I respect. Cause remember, I would rather know that you are, com- I would rather know that you are completely against me than you're standing right, than you're standing right next to me and I really don't know where you stand on something. When I know where you stand, I respect you more. Even even if you can't stand my guts, I, I have more respect for you. So I love that she I love that she's honest right there. Um she says, always looking to milk the system. And you see me, a white woman, so you think I got money. Uh go back to your welfare or your section eight house, the teacher later added, referring to the city's low income housing. Do you see the big truck I have? Look at the piece of S you have. Noel rebuts the woman's claim saying he makes six figures a year and has a 3,200 square foot home after he repeatedly calls her mad and nervous. The woman responds, oh, you go F off. And then she called him a racially derogatory term. Um, and I think we can all figure out what she could have possibly have said. Noel met with Upper Darby School District Superintendent Daniel P. McGarry after the incident to voice his concerns, according to the district's director of communications, Aranda Buford. In an email to parents on Thursday night, McGarry called the teacher's behavior deeply troubling and announced that she had been placed on administrative leave due to, due to an ongoing investigation into the incident. The comments and actions made by this teacher do not align with our core beliefs of opportunity, unity, and excellence, the email read. We are a community of many cultures and backgrounds, and we value our diversity. It strengthens us. We intend to vigorously address the issue, the email continued. We will be working with our district's deep equity team to develop ways to reflect on this incident with staff across the district. I'm just going to say this. You know, people people talk about, you know, diversity training and, you know, sensitivity training and things like that. Listen, people are the way they are. People are, people are, people have certain preferences, certain, you know, certain feelings about certain groups of people, certain ideas about certain groups. 
And there's nothing you can do to change that. Where they say, they say, we intend to vigorously address this issue. We will be working with our district's deep equity team to develop ways to reflect on this incident with staff across the district. Look, man, I'm going to say this. For the most part, for the most part, if someone's racist, they're racist, man. Like, like that's it. Like, you can, you can, you can put them, you can put them around, you can put them around, a, you can put them around the group that they won't like, but they will still harbor some of those feelings. Now, it may, it may, their, I guess you could say their racism could improve and it could get better, but it's not going to do anything. If I, you know, there's, there are certain ways that I feel about certain people. It's not going away. For the most part. And here's the thing. You can do it when they're young. But as people get older, I've said it before. Human beings are like are like, uh, are like cement. When you pour cement for the very first time, it's fresh. That's like birth. So you're malleable, you're, mul- you're, you know, you're fluid. But then once you hit that, once you hit that concrete, you immediately start, you, once you hit the ground, you immediately start aging. And the longer concrete is there, the harder it gets, the more cracked it is. The older people get, the less likely they are to change. Change and, um, change and age are negatively correlated. The younger I am, the more I change. The older I get, the less I'm going to change because I'm more stuck in my ways. I've been doing something. Say I'm in, say, let's say I'm 70. I'm 70 years old. I'm up there. I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. I come across a new, I come across something different. I'm going to, I'm going to do the exact, I'm going to do the same thing. It's, it's just that simple. You know, the older people get, the more, the more, the more they're, you know, the harder they're going to be. Noel applauded the district's decision to investigate the teacher's behavior and place her on leave. I commend the Upper Darby School District for taking quick action on this teacher at Drexel Hill Middle School. Noel wrote in their Facebook, wrote in the Facebook post of the video. They are doing everything in their power to make sure people like this teacher become non-existent in any school. The teacher has worked at the school since 2008, according to, according to Buford. Ah, yep, yep, that's it, I I mean, you know, these things happen, these things happen, and, you know, it's amazing, when you put people in their, in an uncomfortable spot, it's amazing how their true colors show. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how people really are when you put them, when you put them in an uncomfortable situation. I've always found that fascinating. You know, people tend to come together in disasters. That's why I just find them so, um, I don't want to say amazing, but just, you know, it, it's kind of a, it, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. Cause you know, you, you can kind of tend to think that people are cynical and becoming more, uh, narcissistic. And, you know, people are just becoming, people are just generally generally becoming worse. But then you see things, uh, you know, you see hurricanes. You see the best in people. You see people taking of their money and their resources and that aren't affected by a situation. And they help people affect that, help complete strangers that are affected by the situation. I find that amazing. It's just, it's just, it's just so interesting to me. You know, friendships, you know, that's the great thing about friendships. It's just a matter of time. Go through something difficult. You will find out who your friends are. You will. I promise you, you will. There are some who it's very easy to, to, to tell, you know, you know, we're cool, but we're not really friends. We're just acquaintances. Then there are some people where it's like, okay, they're kind of in it for what they can get. They're just kind of an opportunist and you can easily weed them out. But then there are some where you won't really know 
until you until something happens either to you or to them and anger is also an interesting thing when people get angry you know people always say oh i didn't mean that no it's the the opposite is true watch just watch people when they get angry when they are angry that's who they that's who they are and that those are their those are their feelings those are just feelings that they've been holding on to holding on to holding on to holding on to and then it's bubbling up bubbling up bubbling up and it comes out that's how they that's how they really feel you know i always i always hate that garbage when people say oh you know i was angry you know i didn't mean it no you meant it you meant it when you're angry that's that's when people are most honest when people are angry that's when they're most honest So just be careful. Just be careful. And, you know, just, it's just amazing how you'll, you'll quickly learn who people are. So that's really all I have to do. That's really all I have to say for this episode. Um, yeah, just, it's just really amazing to me. I recently had, you know, a situation where, you know, there were some friends and we were, we were all sitting and we were all talking. And this, I guess I shouldn't say recently, but this was, mm, this was, this was, I guess you could say before, before this summer hit, before the summer hit. So it's been some time. Um, but you know, you sit there and you're like, we were sitting there and someone was in a bad mood. One of us was in a bad mood and uh someone made a joke and i guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back and this person just blew up i mean they blew up like a like steam would have been coming out of their ears and they just they said things that clearly they had been holding on to for a long time and you know it just happened and it really, it just showed who they were and it just showed what they uh, were feeling, what they thought and all of that. And it's just really, really interesting. So it's, you know, uh, being uncomfortable, being in a hard situation, um, being angry, um, having a disagreement. It really, really just, it really just shows who people are. And I just, I find that to be very interesting.